Welcome to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast. I'm Larry Monkey, and I'm here with Justin Rogers. What up, dude? Just enjoying a beer. Another lovely night on the pod. I'm excited because Justin just he sent me sends me a message, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm running before the show, so I can have a few beers during the show." And I said, "All right, sounds good to me." Cheers. It's been like two or three weeks since I've been able to drink during the show because I've been so busy. Today, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to go squeeze it in real quick. Nice, nice, nice. And with us tonight, we have friend of the show at Charles Chill. Did I? Is there any more to that? I always yeah, have- yeah, yeah. Look, you can read it on the screen. Very good job. <laughs> it's on the screen. At I gotta Charles put my glasses on, man. I gotta put my glass. At Charles Chill FFB. <laughs> Scott Cotter, our good buddy, man. What's up? How's it going, guys? Glad to be back. Uh, it's funny. Every time I come on, we just start. Uh, I think I've been on like three times now. And we just yeah. start talking and we're like, yeah, should we just record this? Because this is like great <laughs> show content. So, yeah, glad to be back. This should be fun. Really, I have not done a lot of podcasting since the season started on purpose just because everything moves so fast. And yeah. I'm just like, there's so many podcasts out there. I was telling uh, Shane earlier today, like, there's some there's some shows that are doing like seven eight times a week, and it's just like I mean how can you keep up every day? They're doing hour long news break shows, and I'm just like I, I it's exhausting. So anyway, glad to be here. It should be fun. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine like that's a full time job thing. Like the footballers yeah. and you know Matthew Barry and the CBS guys. Sure, you can put out five six seven shows a week, but. I mean, for us that are like part timers, have real jobs. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way, no I, damn way. I, I think it all comes down to the wives and girlfriends, really. Oh uh, yeah, they're not, very, they're not letting they're not letting this happen. My, this isn't going down in my life more than you which know. Which is why Larry gets drunk and wants to record because he can't <laughs> record otherwise. Oh yeah, yeah, dude! I finally found my late night niche. I guess it's a hot sauce chat group. It came when when I was involved in that coming in hot draft, and after every round, you had to eat. A, a, le- a next level of hot sauce per Scoville unit. Now there's this ongoing chat when, I, when everyone's asleep and it's Saturday night and I'm like super bombed. I'm just like, hey, who, want, let, who wants to let's do this? And there's usually something going on. So for the past couple of weeks, I've been I mean, I've, Mad Men, I think, was on the last one on Saturday night. He jumped on because I passed the <laughs> I think uh, or maybe it was Friday night. I don't know. I know, Scott, I think I sent you the link too. I sent it to a few folks. But a madman actually jumped on, and I have no recollection of this. He sent me a message the other day. He's like, hey, man, last night was fun. I don't have no memory of even, like, I, I had no memory of, of the Dynasty Madman. Poor Jeremy. <laughs> He's not memorable at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, it doesn't matter what was happening. Larry wasn't going to remember it. Right. So. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> well, it started with it started with Zach Hertz, but then I, I had said, you know, look at the current tight end ADP on DLF. And then it went down the road of essentially my point, bringing it up to you guys before we even started was just the, the crazy swings in values of players from week to week. I mean, literally day to day, I've seen where you find out that a game might be postponed and a one player's value on a team that's just going to play goes higher than maybe somebody else that's going to on a on the team that's going to get their game canceled. I mean, I've just found this year being really crazy just from a week to week overreaction perspective. And then the discussion kind of just came down to, what would you guys say? Just let's just call it just a standard super flex tight end premium league. No other bonuses or point per carry or anything like that. I mean, there's got to be 50 plus players that you could say are worth like quote unquote, a second round pick. And 
another hundred that are probably worth like quote unquote, a third round pick. And you know, that's if somebody says, Hey Larry, what's this player worth? You'd say always worth a third. The market's got to be somewhere in between because what's the, what's the cost of getting you to move off of that player. And at the same time, if I have a bunch of extra picks, I'm, I'm not going to use them just on random players. I'm going to use them for a reason. Like I'm going to use them for a player that I can fill in my lineup for the next week or two. Yeah. Or for a, you know, I'm not just going to go out because you have the scarcity on your side. If you're holding in a 12 team league, if you're holding two second round picks, you know, you have two of 12 assets. There's never going to be any more, but yet there's probably 50 players you could go out and probably quote unquote buy for a second rounder. So that's just kind of where the discussion is, is lying. And I've seen it just be so, so expansive this year. There's just so many players that have a market. And I think that's because people value, wouldn't you guys say people value points this year more than ever? Just players that I know are going to be on the field and playing. Like that's a big barrier that we really didn't have to worry about as much in the past. It's been the ultimate year for a rebuilder because you've been able to sell players just so quickly. Yeah. Like as soon as you Good wanted point. to sell a player that was scoring points on your team, you could put them out there, send out, you know, spam the league with trade offers and you were going to sell that player. I mean, I have three teams that I just decided to gut and I got nobody left on those teams because everybody was buying. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert, of course. Uh, Jamison Crowder was one of those great sells. Robbie Anderson on one of those teams. Like Guys that are putting up good points, they're going to fetch, especially in this market, they're going to fetch a, a decent price. I feel like I sold short on Robbie Anderson because I sold him for a second after like two weeks. Dude, the root cause... The root cause of this, I think, was were those major injuries that occurred week one and week two, where we had these catastrophic injuries to, you know, CMC's gone, not the whole season, but a chunk of it. Barkley, Dunce, uh, Sutton, Dunn, like all these big names. And a lot of these guys didn't – some of these guys didn't even start this season. They came in late. Yeah, Michael Thomas. So these contenders, like myself in our Dynasty Trades HQ League – panicked and i was okay what can i get for you know i gotta there are folks that are like i'm, I'm contending but i i'm not gonna sit on, i'm not gonna throw away the season after week one so i need to get something for saquon or package somebody and goddard you know goddard went out for he's still out so you know i think the league kind of kicked off or the season kicked off with everyone in a frenzy trying to patch the holes that just like imploded on their teams yeah and i think there's also just been maybe some bad process moves by people as well. I think people fearing that there's going to be such attrition with this season. You know, you have such big impacts early on. And remember, a lot of players started the season injured already. I mean, you lost, like Miles Sanders was out to start the season. And the receivers at the beginning of the year, I mean, you had Chris Godwin, A.J. Brown. I mean, you had tons of top-tier receivers that were out to start the year. That's kind of corrected itself a little bit. But now we've seen, you know what, we just had two more running backs go out for a couple weeks this past right. week. I mean, the running yeah. backs have started to get dinged. So you combine that with COVID and the fact that now we've started to experience that every single week, you know, just happened today with the Raiders. I just expect Thursday, Friday of each week that we're going to get some report that says, Hey, there could be a game in jeopardy. Yeah. And there, there really has only been one game that has been, you know, truly like gone from the schedule so far, but like, you still, you got to prepare. You know what I mean? You can't go into a, especially if you have a deeper roster, like you, you need to, you're throwing away a win. If you have a couple players that are on by and then you have a game that's canceled. I mean, it could cost you an entire win. That could be big getting into the playoffs. So it's just been, you know, it's just been crazy. 
You know, I had I had four players, four solid starters from the uh, Steelers Titans game. Yeah, and on one team, toasted me. I mean, it was done. You know, I mean, AJ Brown and Johnu and AJ Brown may not have started, but it was uh, I had Corey Davis on there, and he was doing pretty well, and and then Juju, whatever. But I was like, damn, those are those are solid starters on a twelve man start eleven team, and and I just was out that week. I mean. Yeah. We did the startup. It's the uh, DDCL that uh, Larry and I are in. Are you in that one, Scott? The nope. He should get uh, in that one. He should grab the next orphan. That's a yeah. Four- it's a four copy league, so there's like you know lots of trading going on and stuff. And I mean, I, during the startup, I was like, all right, I'm gonna draft this team. Feel good about it. Got a lot of depth. And the the longer you play in this one in this season, the quicker you realize that. A lot of depth turns into not much depth with just a couple, a couple little things. You know, a trickle down effect of, well, I lost this one player, and then these four players are gone, and then I got one guy that's questionable, and he just looks uglier and uglier. So, those off season uh, beauty pageants with rosters, they're not paying off as much as you'd think they would. Ah, I like it. The off season beauty pageant. Yeah, that's nice. Well, on the contrary, it's like. It kind of makes me think with what you just said, you can have a really good team that looked great week one or even before week one. And it's eroded to now where you're almost facing a rebuild or you say, Hey, I need to tear this team down because I'm, I'm one in five. I have a bunch of injuries, you know, whatnot, but that kind of, doesn't that kind of make you say like a lot of my teams that are three and three, two and four, like I'm not ready to give those up yet. Cause I think things could break my way on the positive side. And maybe I end up getting in the playoffs and winning some championships on teams that I had no business of doing it. So kind of works both ways. If someone's going to be really unlucky, like you just mentioned with your team, I may be the team in the league that's lucky and it goes the other way. And I end up winning because of it. So Scott, are you in the process of tanking at all in any of your leagues? Yeah, I've got a. I mean, you gotta always have some tanking teams, right? That's what makes it's dynasty fun. fun. It really is yeah. fun sometimes to just yeah. gut a team and rebuild it and play around with lottery picks and you know, like all the draft picks. It's it's an interesting concept, and in this, especially with as many leagues as you have, Scott, you can afford to do it on a few. You know, yeah. Right so. now, I got five. I've committed fully to five, basically saying playing entirely for the future. The the funny part is that. I'll tell you guys this one because I was a team that was 0-5. It's one of those safe leagues with two PPR for tight ends. And I thought I crushed the startup exactly like Justin said. Like, I'm leaving with four top 10 tight ends. And, of course, they were all the wrong four ones. (laughs) And I'm like, other teams that took tight ends later ended up getting better production. But anyway, you know, it's one of those teams where it's two two PPR for tight ends. And it's uh, draft picks are based on potential points. And I started off 0-5. And, and I'm sitting there going like, man, I'm 0-5. I'm out of it. Because, I mean, it, it's only six make the playoffs and it's head-to-head. So you, you can't really afford to take more than maybe six losses on the season if you want to get in the playoffs. And I'm 0-5. But then I look up at the, my potential points and I'm still sixth. Yeah. It's just because I the way yeah. that I drafted, I have a lot of tight end depth. And I'm not starting the right ones. And then a couple of them have been hurt. So it's like, uh, where do I go with that team? I'm 0-5. I can't make the playoffs, but I have too much talent to trade away. So my potential points are never going to get to the very bottom. So I basically just said, you know what? I'm just going to make a run at it. I'm, I'm going to get screwed on my draft pick anyway. Yeah. So I might as well set the best lineup I can. I actually won last week, scored the most points in the league. And then yeah. I hit on Boston Scott on my bench this week. So I'm looking at maybe, 
Two oh. and five, maybe I make a run. So it went like that. I I should have given up on that team. Uh, but that's one way to see. I, know, I started 0 and 5 on a redraft team a few years ago, and I still bring it up to my guys. It's a home league at Buffalo Wild Wings where I work. I still bring it up all the time. Like, 0 and 5, bitches, I won that league. Wow. Was, that was the second of a three-peat. And you can guarantee I talked so much shit after going wow. 0 and 5 and coming back. I, I remember my first two draft picks were Alfred Morris and Stephen Ridley. And that wow. was a disaster because that was the year after they were good. I went. Yeah. I was. I was on the twelve, thirteen, or the the ten, eleven turn. It's only ten man league. I was on the ten, eleven turn. My first two picks, and they were complete disasters that year. And I was like, well, but I made some moves and ended up squeaking into the playoffs, and then just trounced everybody in the in the playoffs. Well, so, I like. Well, do it. It's it's that's a nice tanking team, Justin. But we have a team that we like to track. On the Run DFF Tank Tracker. <laughs> Dynasty yeah. Trades HQ Listener League. HQ1 Run DFF. Justin Rogers is actively in the middle of a tank, but you would not know this based upon his record. He is. Did he fall out of first place? Did you fall out of first place this week? I have fallen out of first place, I believe. You have tumbled into third place. Josh that we had on uh, uh, at Real Fantasy TL. Josh is now in first at five and one. I am down to third place at three and three. Yes. That's right, folks. <laughs> I lost again. Thankfully, Scott. He's got he's got Kyler Murray and Pat Mahomes, and then just tumbleweeds all the whole okay. rest of his. To be fair, I had Anthony Ferkser get thirty one points for me last week, so. That's the thing. He has all these ridiculous. <laughs> you have like Jalen Richard's going off. Willie Sneed's going off for him. Like it's been amazing to because he's been actively like talking about this tank, and he his team is just not allowing him to slander Look, his his own team. This is what happened in week yeah. one, Scott. Of course, I've got the two stud quarterbacks. Everybody, all right. McKinnon with fifteen. Raheem Mostert with thirty-two. Alan Lazard with 20, Willie Sneed with 18, OJ Howard with 15, Peyton Barber with 18. What the fuck is going on? So yeah, I was I was on tilt after one week. Like I scored the third most points in the league, won the first three weeks. I was three and zero on a tanking team, and I'm like, this cannot fucking happen. So it's okay though because currently I have the two, the four, and the six pick, and I think the eight or the nine. So in the first round. So I'm solid. It's not my first, it's not my number two and it's not, not my number four. I own, I own a couple picks from other guys that are let low, mm-hmm. but I expect by the end of the season that I'll be right there in that two, three range. Yeah. Um, I apologize to Shane who is also not doing well, but you're going to take a W this week. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, you are playing Shane this week. I am playing Shane this weekend. Uh, I can almost guarantee he's going to win because well, outside of Kyler and Patrick, it's Stupid ugly for me. And he's got Roethlisberger, Herbert, CEH, CeeDee Lamb. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe Tanya will catch a couple more touchdowns. So, anyways, I expect to take an L this week and go to three and four. Yeah, I took an L on a – I believe I took an L on a trade I made with Shane in that league by trading him CeeDee Lamb for J.K. Dobbins and a 2022 second. Where is that? Where do you feel – how do you feel about that one right now? Yeah, you know, I think uh, we kind of all thought the running backs were going to hit faster than the receivers, and it's been the opposite thus far. But I don't think the process with that trade is still wrong. I think that's still 
as soon as Dobbins hits, assuming it's going to happen, whether it's going to be the rest of this year or in the, I think in the off season, he's going to hit regardless because the backfield's going to clear out. So even if you don't get startable RB one weeks from him this year, you're going to see his value jump up in the off season just because they clear out the backfield for him. So it's almost going to be like miles Sanders last year. If miles Sanders hadn't had broken out in the second half of the season, you probably would have seen the same thing if they would have cleared out the backfield. So it's a little frustrating to see how they're running the backfield because I can also see where they just bring in other guys next to Dobbins and it's always frustrating just because of the system that they run. But I I wouldn't take the L on that so quickly. Right. Just because, you know, the other thing is CD lamb's great. Don't get me wrong, but the talk of like him being a top three receiver already in dynasty is like, Ooh, baby. This is the right. Ryan McDowell is leading the charge on this. Okay. I agree. It is, is look when you have someone as big as Ryan McDowell saying that he is what has he got him one or two? So Ryan McDowell has and this brings us into this this the next segment. So the reason I say that is because like Justin just said, uh Ryan McDowell recently said on one of his podcasts that CeeDee Lamb is his wide receiver two overall in Dynasty. So that begs the question, well, who's your wide receiver one in Dynasty? DK Metcalf. DK, yeah. So what is more – so, Scott, what is more shocking to you, that DK is his number one wide receiver in all of Dynasty or that C.D. Lamb is his number two overall in all of Dynasty? Well, let's – let me just backtrack real quick because – Justin and I had this debate back in the off season and I'm, I'm not even taking a victory lap on CD. Oh, you you well, but hear me out. I, I'm, I don't want to take a victory lap on CD lamb, the player. I want to take a victory lap on the process of how he gets up to being the wide receiver 10 or eight or six or two or wherever you have him. It was because of his profile. Everyone loved him coming in, right? Yeah. Then he got the draft capital. Then he goes to Dallas tied to an elite quarterback and he goes to Dallas. That's another thing. It it can't hurt to go to a high profile team where everyone's more bound to fall in love with you because of the team that you're on and the quarterback and the offense and all of that. So he had all that going for him. And then, and I respect Ryan a lot. And I do think you're right, Justin, he is a mover when it comes to dynasty values, but this is something that I, I looked into in the off season. You take these guys that are true, and I'm sure you guys have heard me say this many times, but these true 21-year-old rookie receivers, whether it be DJ Moore in the past or whether it be Juju Smith-Schuster, when these guys hit right away, and when I say hit right away, I mean they're 200 PPR points their first season, right? Their values explode. I mean, there's been five that have done that in the last decade, and the names are, I think, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, and there's one more that I'm forgetting, but basically that's, that's the floor. Their value becomes like a second round startup pick or higher. And the problem, the only problem with, with saying that with every one of these guys is that how many damn good receivers are there right now? It's way deeper than it was five years ago. You look at the ADP and receiver five years ago, and there's guys in the twenties and thirties that are already out of the NFL. Right. Yeah. So now there's just so many receivers you can't. And with the starvation at running backs, you can't just push all these I mean, because what would you guys say? Jefferson's going to hit it. Lamb's going to hit it. I mean, how many of these rookies that are 21, you're going to see at least two. T. Higgins could hit it. I'm speaking of 160 PPR points. That was the cutoff. 
you might have three or four of these 21 year olds do that this year. Does that mean that T Higgins is a top 15 dynasty receiver? That's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but that's where their value goes. That's what the market does. I mean, look what happened with Juju and DJ Moore. People went crazy after those guys after the first year and -hmm. even more so in the summer of their second season. So that's, that's what you get with CD. So I think Ryan's just trying to predict the market value. What are people going to do with these guys in the off season? And it's just going to be ridiculously priced. So yeah, that's why I think he has them where he is. I don't think he truly thinks that CD lamb is going to be Michael Thomas in terms of production. Like, is he truly going to get Michael Thomas's production from the last three or four years? Probably not, but I think he's spot on with where he has the market value on him. So that would be my answer. I think he's correct. I think that's, what's going to happen. I love it. I love the take because I'm I'm one of those progressive guys that likes those type of takes, and, and I'm yep. the ageist. So, uh, Mike, Michael Thomas, man, and again, he's hurt and he's banged up, and he was a, he he was he's a, he's the man. And but the thing is, Breeze is just just aging ungracefully right now. So who knows who his who is his quarterback next year? Is he going to have Sam Darnold as a quarterback? Is he going to have Jameis Winston as a quarterback? Is he going to have, you know, what's his nuts that everyone thinks is going to be a Taysom fucking Hill is his tight end. I know. You have tight end. Taysom Hill is tight end, but I'm not, there's no way he's his quarterback. Oh, that would be, I mean, unless they were, unless they were tanking, but you know. Right. Yeah. Unless they're pulling a run DFF. Um, So Outhouse today got on the, uh, on the DDCL chat and was like, I'm tired of MT. I want to sell him. Send me a solid starter. As a, and whatever and and something else, so I sent him and golly, it feels terrible to even say. I sent him Juju a first and a second, and he he wrote back. I said a solid starter. Wow. I don't blame him for that. But then no. he sent AJ Brown in a second. I don't and I never even got to see it. I was working, uh, countertops being installed, and I was busy. I, I I don't think I would have accepted it. AJ Brown in a second. I think I would just pass and said, you know what, I'll just keep AJ Brown. I'll keep the the young stud over, you know, the malcontent diva who's getting a little. I mean, he's what twenty seven or something like that. It's not like he's old, but right. I'll take the years and keep the second and just roll along. You know. Okay. So I made a, a trade today that involved CD Lamb and Juju. This is in the Dynasty Warzone Listener League, and it's a twelve team superflex. Uh, we had a new guy. There was a guy in the league that did the oh, startup. Right. Blood. Oh, dude, yes. Yeah, fresh blood is right. So there's a guy in the league that did the startup, and then we never heard from him again. And then he, he was he was there for the rookie draft, but doesn't respond. Nothing in the chat. Trades just expire. It's the worst owner that you know, just this ghost owner. Um, well, he hasn't he hasn't set his lineup in two weeks. Oh, screw that dude. Yeah. So he had a lineup, but he had the buys were sitting out there, you know. Yeah. And Michael Thomas was in 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 a spot. I don't even know. Like he, I don't know what the fuck. Anyway, so. I was like, and there's the, and it's a sleeper league, so I'm not as engaged as I normally would be, so because the chat is on sleeper. So I chime in, and I'm like, I, I noticed that this guy hasn't been involved in a couple of weeks. So I chime in, and I'm like, uh, did I miss where we discussed when we're kicking this guy out of the league? Maddie Big Chest, he said, uh, he goes, I brought it up, I brought it up last month, but no one responded, and I was like, okay, how about how about we kick him out? 
tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and anyway, <laughs> they brought in a new guy. They brought in a new guy that's part of their Patreon chat. Apparently, they have a lit Patreon, and I'm a patron of the Dynasty War Zone, but no one ever invited me to this chat. So I'm like, wait a minute, there's a <laughs> chat, and everyone's like, oh yeah, man, this chat is the shit. It's this chat is lit, and I'm just like, well, what the fuck, man? I've been a patron for years now, and I just did it just because I like the podcast. I don't really get nothing out of it. I'm like, there's a fucking chat. I could I could be a part just of. Just what you need, another chat. Yeah. <laughs> another fucking chat. Probably talking about me oh, on the fucking uh... chat. <laughs> so so i've i'm just like i'm like all right great so I'm, I'm all over this guy uh and he's oh, he's got such a nice he's got he took over a nice orphan a orphan because we kicked the guy out but anyway this is my deal i won't tell you who ha had which side on one side is tua juju and two two 21 thirds that's tua juju and a couple 21 thirds for Darnold, Lamb, and a 21 first. So Darnold, Lamb, and a 21 first, which will be a mid, low to mid first. Darnold, Lamb, 21 first, two a Juju, two thirds. I mean, just piecing through this, I think if we were to redraft today in a super flex, I, I do think Lamb would go ahead of Tua in most cases. Now, you know, I've, I've actually had some debates about Tua's value over the last 48 hours, too, now that we know he's going to be the starter, because really the only thing holding him back was when do you get him to start? Once you get him to start, I think the person that had him is much less prone to give him up now, even if his value hasn't gone up. His situation hasn't changed. His team hasn't changed. None of that. But now that you know you're going to get a half a season worth of starts out of him, it's hard to pry him away for... You know, I don't want to say he has Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow's value, but if I have Tua, I'm almost looking at those guys saying, hey, look what these rookies are doing. He had the same capital, the same equity, you know, probably a better profile. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be, I'd say if Tua comes out and he shows even anything close to what those guys have, top 10 quarterback in Dynasty already, top 12 at the worst. Right. So, and I think you still have that mystery to where, he could jump into that range with, you know, Kyler and Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. I mean, it's it's a stretch, but there's still a shot. You know what I mean? You know you're not getting that from Sam Darnold. So I, this is a really tough one for me because I think it's probably comes down to the some of the settings. I know you don't have the settings on here, but I, I just don't value the receiver upgrade, I think, as much as other people do. <laughs> and I don't love Juju either, but I don't value the fact that I can pivot from C from Juju to CD Lamb. I don't value that as, you know, basically the difference between taking a shot at having an elite quarterback. Even if I don't think two is an elite quarterback, if I can sell somebody else that he is, and maybe at a bad point I can flip him for Deshaun Watson or something like that, I I have to take that. So I'd have to lean the Tua and Juju side here. I really thought you were going to go the other way because you've always been quarterbacks are overrated or at least you have recently, been quarterbacks are overrated in Superflex. So I thought you were going to go the other way. I'm Tua all the way on this one. Um, I think Juju will bounce back, whether it's on the Steelers next year or a different team. Like I think he's an ultimate, I mean the ultimate buy low. I don't know that he's a, a wide receiver one, but if he ends up somewhere where someone else can draw some attention away and they have a high volume offense, I think Juju can, can be that. 1,100, 1,200-yard, 1200 6-7 touchdown guy catching 85, 90 passes. You know, what he was before. I mean, gosh, he he caught 1,400 yards and seven or eight touchdowns or whatever it was and 100 and something passes. I mean, that's just silly. 
You know, that's a guy who who it's not like he forgot how to ru- how to run routes. It's just that they have so many mouths to feed. They're run first team. The defense is so good. They're not they're not on the field a lot. And I love Tua. I mean, everybody that's listened to me knows I, how I feel about Tua. I mean, I think he's the best prospect of the three that coming out of coming out of last year. And uh, if it hadn't been the health, I don't think it would even would have even been a, a question who the number one pick was. I mean, he his profile is excellent. He's accurate. He's uh, he's good under pressure. Uh, he delivers a good deep ball. Everything you want out of a quarterback outside of a busted ass hip. So if that hip is good, I'm I'm, I'm good with Tua. So all right. Well, well, it's interesting. Just real quick with Justin though, because yeah. I look at Juju and say. Justin's a Falcons fan, right? So you're telling me if you put Juju in Calvin Ridley's role for the last year and a half, can he do the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. So that just kind of tells you right there how situational and how short-term these situations in Dynasty from receivers can change, which is why that's part of this idea of you see a situation for a receiver and you put we put way too much stock into a current situation. And then the situation changes and all of a sudden the player values can absolutely flip-flop. If you switched, because the other problem with Juju, I I had this debate earlier today on Twitter, was, you know, with Claypool coming on, he unfortunately, he's got three damn good receivers also with him on his team. Like none of those guys are scrubs. So it's like, that's none, there's really no other team in the league that has that. So, you know, he goes to a different situation, name a situation, and he could be right back in the mix, like you said, as a low-end wide receiver two or even a high-end wide receiver two. Speaking of situation and CeeDee Land specifically, you know, we were talking about this in the offseason, and the process behind what I thought was there's no way they throw as many times they did last year. Well, yep. they were on pace with Dak to throw like 780 times or something. Like that. Or 804. Eight, For eight, eight, four games, he was over 200 attempts. Right, exactly. Like they're at 290 right now through six games. It's stupid. There's, uh, it just was, I didn't forecast that. I forecasted 600 passes or so, something like that. 600, 615, something reasonable, not something otherworldly where he's on pace for 6,200 yards or whatever it was. So if, yeah, it had, had someone said, oh, he's going to pass 800 times and he's going to be on pace for, you know, 6,000 yards which would, you know, just be slightly above the record, just a smidge. Well, then sure, of course there's enough room for someone like CeeDee Lamb. So now I think we're going to see a situation where Andy Dalton sucks. I don't care what anybody says. Andy Dalton is not the solution. Without an offensive line that can protect him, he's in trouble back there. And that offensive line is not what it was. Their left tackle, that their substitute left tackle, because Tyron Smith was out last year or last week, now they uh, their backup is out this week. They're in trouble. He's going to be a statue back there getting pummeled. That Washington uh, defensive line. That Washington Uh. line is (laughs) – Well, and they're in a division with even Philly's defensive line is really good. I mean, they're going to run into a lot of bad matchups. I I do think you're right. I think Dallas – Andy Dalton has never been a guy that elevates his players around him. He's basically just a product of the game script. So I think a lot of their points are just going to come – situational right they're going to be like games like monday night where they get behind still because their offensive line's bad their quarterback's bad their defense is bad and you're just praying for the volume but if that ever flips you know they may change it around just to try to save their season and they they purposely try to run the clock they start going at a slower pace and who knows 
but yeah, I agree with you. The situation completely changed, and I think the values need to adjust too. And I think they're going to have to. They're going to have to run the ball more. To you know, they're going to have to involve Pollard more. They're, you know, Zeke. Of course, I don't think Zeke turns the ball over as much as he has the first five, six games, or whatever. You know, two turnovers in the first first quarter or whatever it was last week. That was ugly, and I don't think anybody can deny that Zeke was as he was feeling terrible about it afterward. And he said, you know, I got to fix that, whatever. I expect that to, you know, people were talking about Zeke's value falling or whatever. I think that his, his usage is going to be fine. I don't think that they're going to go away from him as much as people were projecting, you know, maybe Pollard gets in there a little bit more just because, you know, they want a, a dynamic, you know, change of pace guy, which Pollard is. But at the same time, they can't keep giving the ball to, to Andy Dalton and being like, yeah, win us a game. Because that's not happening. Yeah, they tried. In the division, they may only have to win. <laughs> yeah, if they only have to win six games, and, and I'm being dead serious with that. If they only have oh, to win yeah. six games, then oh yeah, they don't win the division. I mean, the division yeah, winner seven yeah. is going to win that division for sure. Six yeah. might, but seven will. Well, that's one reason I'm not fading like players on the Dallas or on Philadelphia because they're going to have something to play for all year, even yeah. if they all suck. Like they're, cool. I think the Eagles are actually in 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 line for a big bounce back the seven half of the season because they're going to have to. They're you know, going to be in the mix. I like that you said, even if they suck, not since, even though they suck. Because yeah, it's they, not well, right now. everyone they in the suck. division sucks, but I think they're, I guess my point was one of the things right. that I don't think gets talked about enough is we've already seen the impacts of this season on players not being able to see their families, not be able to live their normal lives. I do think we're going to run into, and maybe only a couple teams, but I think we're going to run into a couple teams later on in the season where they're out of it. You get maybe get some players that are held out because of injuries or quote unquote injuries. I, I think there may be some teams or some players that pack it in. And so I, I look at Dallas and Philly and say, you know what? They're probably going to go to the end because they're going to be in the playoff race regardless because their division's so bad. To answer the initial question about this trade, yes, I had the Darnold, Lamb, and the first side. You received. <laughs> well, you did. <laughs> well listen here's my here's my logic let's hear it jerry sinclair of the dynasty war zone this is a sleeper league so i'm i'm not as engaged as i normally would be he's just got this team for, that he must he's, he's fleeced everyone in the league to create this super <laughs> team uh aaron Rodgers, Zeke elliott alvin kamara Devontae adams tyree kill kevin ridley travis kelsey stephon Diggs, matt ryan he's got nobody on his bench that starting lineup is just whatever. So anyway, I'm going to rebuild mode. And I decided I'm collecting first. This was my fourth first, first round pick. Sounds like a really late first. No, no, no. This is the early to mid first. The, oh, so it's someone else's first. It's not Jerry's first. No, no, this, no, no. I was just giving you Jerry's team as the logic to, as to why I'm rebuilding right now instead okay. of trying to like, you know, let me, uh, uh, you know. I you were saying this was a trade with Jerry. No, no, no. no, no. Jerry's got such a stack team that you need to reset. Yes. Gotcha. He was the reason. No, I, I, this trade has nothing to do with Jerry other than yep. he has this powerhouse team that it's kind of pointless to chase after. I and need a, I need a couple major pieces to compete with a team like that. But that's a, that's has, a great point to make, Larry, is that sometimes it's not just about your team. It's about who you're who you're playing against. You know, like you can look at your team and be like, you know, I got a pretty good team. But then you look at someone else's team. And you're like, oh, shit, they're fucking stacked. You know, they got Derrick Henry and CMC and, you know, Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams or, you know, something crazy. And you're like, well, crap. Now, granted, uh, those teams would be in a little bit of trouble right now because of, because of injury. But 
you know, if all those players are coming back in the next week or two and they make the playoffs, you're in trouble again, you know? Yeah. So I get that's it. That's a good point to make is that you need to be looking not just at your own team, but uh, other teams as well. Taking a, taking a, a view of the whole landscape and seeing how it, how you, how you stack up. Because if you're that guy that's, you know, you're third in points or whatever, but you're 190 points behind the number one point score right now, you know, realistically, they're just that much better, you know? Right. So. And and this is this will most likely, I mean, the way this guy's team looks, like I said, he took over an orphan that the team was ignored. So the guy has a shitty team. It's going to it's going to take him a, a little bit to catch up to the pack. Uh, and he may or may not be able to do that. And it's based on the moves that he's been making, too, because this this is, you know, when you get that new blood and there's just, there's been like a half a dozen trades in the last 24 hours. And there's all this like, oh, yeah, this is happening. This is happening. And you're all pumped up. And I'm like, I need to get in on this action. So. Um, I wanted CD Lamb, and I got him. So I didn't realize he wanted to. I, I threw out an offer. He came back with a like a Tua, you know, trash trade. So I was like, okay, so this guy's interested in Tua. That's cool. And Juju. So I was like, okay, great. I don't give a fuck about Tua or Juju. I mean, I have Mahomes and Baker are my two quarterbacks, and I have plenty of picks that are going to get me a quarterback next year. So I was like, okay, I can part with two if this guy really wants him. I really want Lamb. I'll get that extra first. And Darnold is can he can be a third quarterback. And guess what? When he goes somewhere else next year, when he plays for the Colts <laughs> or the Saints or the Steelers, I anywhere. mean he's uh, anywhere, he's gonna be amazing. I, I'm like you. I still have hope in Sam Darnold, but he's got to get somewhere else because unfortunately they're in the Trevor race Listen, right now. He's got the skill. Trevor, he's, he's, over. He's, yeah, he's just been he's just been dealt a terrible deck. And I'm I'm, I'm a Jets fan, so I, I see him up close. I see what the Jets are up close, which is you could put anybody behind that porous line. Now you like that porous? You like that word? Yep, it's lovely. Well Good done. Word. Porous offensive line. Oh god, the fucking Jets! I'm gonna blow it for Sam Darnold. I can't believe I have a Sam Darnold fat head. I'm gonna have to get a new fucking fat head. I gotta yeah, get. It's gonna be like this guy with the flowing hair coming <laughs> out of the back of, his, back of his helmet. I mean, can you imagine what's what? Trevor Lawrence is going to look like on your wall. Oh, dude. Saturday podcast, just so people can see Trevor Lawrence on your wall. Next so, so check this out. So <laughs> this fat head, the sand Arnold fat head behind me, it not only comes with this, there's like a million other like stickers that come with the fat head. I don't know if right. you guys know. Yeah, that. You don't just get, yeah, right. right. You don't just get the, the, the body, the body shot. You get like all these extra pieces. So I have all it's this so Sam Darnold fucking, I have Sam Darnold. There's like mini Sam Darnold's over here. There's a picture of Sam Darnold. There's like, there's all kinds of shit all over the place about Sam Darnold. I'm like, fuck. So my brother-in-law got me this Sam Darnold's uh, fat head for Christmas. Like I opened up the box, the wrapped the box. I was like, ah, oh, Sam fucking Darnold. This is funny, man. This is awesome. Great gift. Uh, I bring him up because he happens to be in our dynasty hot sauce FC eliminator, or let me correct myself. He used to be. Oh, in the hot sauce. That got eliminator. Yes. <laughs> My brother-in-law, traumatized. He's a physical therapist, and uh, I want to get him on sometime because I've talked to him about injuries, and he sounds he's like legit, man. He knows what he's talking about. So I was like, dude, you'd be great to have on the podcast, man. You like know what you're talking about. You're in the toilet, brother. You just got flushed down the motherfucking toilet. 
So, Mr. John traumatized. There you go, you loser. Down the toilet. <laughs> this is going to kill your chances of actually getting uh, Dynasty Hot Sauce, uh, one of those doctors, now that every Dynasty podcast has one. Her website has one. <laughs> oh, no, right in there. on injuries. Awesome. You I'm belong down. in the sewer, my friend, because you are a loser. I am still alive in the not. I, I was in 12, Scott. I'm currently alive in nine of them. Nice. I'm a loser in the Larry Monkey Eliminator, and I'm also a loser in the Hot Sauce Eliminator. But you know who's not? You know who's just squeaking by week to week like a little mouse just in a run tracks. This motherfucker right here. Guy I'm comes in the fucking alive. bottom. Guy comes in bottom three every fucking season. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. That's all you gotta do, man. As long as I ain't the last one. That's all it counts. Yeah, if you ain't yep, you're and every week's a new week. There are players that come out of nowhere. Very good. So how about we talk about the Scott Connor League, which is really you should just call yeah. it the Scott Connor League. It shouldn't even be called run a gun, it should be the Scott Connor League. That's how we refer to it here. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> It's a Larry refers to it because I don't know. <laughs> but I made a trade recently <laughs> that involved Kyle Allen. Uh, well, why don't you tell us the trade and then I can tell All you. Right, here's the trade. So this is this is the Scott Connor League. We I can't believe this trade even made the show. I know. Oh, a better yeah, fucking thirteen starters. After, okay. after Larry puts this garbage trade up here, we'll talk about my big trade. <laughs> no, it's it's worth talking about though. It's I mean, I don't know, man. I I mean, it's sure it it's the Scott. It's it's the run and gun, baby. It's it's a what do you call it? You call it a Devi League? You call it Devi Depleted League? What's the proper terminology? So I know. I mean, it's a Devi league. It's a, the, the drafts are mixed Devi draft with rookies. So, I mean, it's a Devi league, but it's pretty shallow. Only 18 Devis come in every year. So I'd say it's a pretty shallow Devi league, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. 13 starters. So it makes it, uh, any usable player. I can see why you wanted to talk about it because there's so many yes. starters. And this is our, this is the two tight end league yeah. with, with the heavy preem, the 1.75. Not only is it a two tight end, it's 1.75. So tight ends are one of the most important positions on the team. And none of that is relevant because none of that is relevant because none of these players are tight ends. None right. of that is relevant. Like, but, that, hey, I traded this QB in a PPR league. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Let's, let's anyway, dumbass. You know what? Listen, if you if anyone gets Kyle Allen, anything for Kyle Allen, I feel like they should celebrate. And I don't know. Andy Isabella and Quintus Cephas for Kyle Allen. I mean, they're bodies and they're bodies that. I have the obviously the player side, and I like both of those guys anyway, only because I you know I read a nice Kane Fossil article about Quintez Cephas. I used to just call him Quintez Cephas, and then when you when you listen to Kane talking about him, he says Quintez Cephas. He's really uh, he really enunciates. But uh, yeah, man, Quintez Cephas could be the could be the number two there next year. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think, Scott? No. No. I think the way I see this trade is Larry is a victim here of what I call dynasty credit card fraud, <laughs> which basically means that this guy is just buying players week to week because he has holes that he needs to fill and he's just putting it on credit and throwing Larry a couple trash pieces that he can replace on the waiver wire and fill a need. I, I'm guessing he's probably going to need to start Kyle Allen at some point, I didn't check and see if he started him last week, but I look at it as if he got one start out of Kyle Allen, who I think, you know, he, he actually didn't do terrible last week. So if he got one start, 
then basically he's just borrowing credit against Larry. And That's a W. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a W. So wait, so, you guys have the Kyle Larry, Allen side? Larry. Yes, I do. Because at least Kyle Allen is startable. Okay. Honestly, Quintus Cephas is garbage. All right. They gave him the opportunity early in the season. Just they gave him the opportunity. Threw him 10 targets. He had three catches. No, man. No, I'm out. His first, what do you want, man? I want someone that catches more than thirty. Didn't he get like what? Wasn't like eight of them in the end zone? He had like eight end zone targets. Like at <laughs> seven or eight end zone targets. I don't even care because he didn't catch them. Yeah. I don't care. Like he caught a couple. Of them. Big, look, he's a big body guy. Yeah, he caught three out of, out of ten. He's a big body guy. He's supposed to catch supposed to catch passes. Look, what was he? I think he was a fifth rounder in the he NFL draft. Yeah. He was a fifth rounder. That's not happening. Like. All right. The odds of him hitting are are low, low, low. He's Everyone wanted to project him to be, a, you know, next year's number two. Dude, they're gonna draft a receiver or two, sign somebody. What if Juju? Right. Talk about a spot. What if Juju ended up in Detroit with Kenny Galladay? You gotta understand. Now, now, let me explain. Now, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Okay, so first of all, there's 13 starters in this league, so you just want. You just want any kind of body that anybody with a pulse that is going to be on the field. Yeah, but I don't know if you saw the first, the, what was it, the first play of the Arizona game? I mean, Annie Isabella almost had like a, what was it, like a fucking 80 yard touchdown, the first play of the game or whatever it was. It just, uh, Murray missed him, just overthrew him or put it in the, in the wrong spot. I feel like these are pieces. Kyle Allen is Kyle Allen. He's not going to get you anything more. Than Quintus Cephas and Andy Isabella, but Andy Isabella and Quintus Cephas have an opportunity, and I can flip them for anything and just and just pivot off of that stuff. Now, to be fair, to be fair, Larry is three and eight in this league. Oh yeah, so this is a rebuild. This is it not, made this is sense a, to yeah. cash out on Kyle Allen. I guess I look at it like this though, because I've been on both sides of this kind of deal. First of all, I. I I haven't said this publicly, but I've done the math. There's been 97 receivers already, different receivers this year that have been top 36 or better. And top 36 in this league with 13 starters, all those guys are playable. That's In a way, you can just throw any playable receiver that is top three or four on their team in targets out there in a given week in this league, and they probably are startable or at least have a chance to be startable based on you know just getting lucky with a long touchdown or – you know, running into five or six targets in a given game. So I understand, Larry, your logic of trying to go after getting two receivers. The problem is they're replaceable. If you work the waiver wire hard enough, you're going to find guys like that. I picked up Byron Pringle off the waiver wire. I bet you he has yeah. a game as good as or better than Isabella or Cephas the rest of the year. And There's is, no is he going to be in my line? Is he going to be in my lineup? Probably not. All right. But it was possible. And if you if you get these rebuild teams and you gut them down low enough like where yours is right now, you're going to be more prone to just have to fill your lineup with those type of players. I, I did a deal like this a couple weeks ago. I had, it's a, it's a start two quarterback league, not to derail the topic, but it's a similar idea. Start two quarterbacks. I had five. This was during the uh, Pittsburgh, Tennessee postponement. So I lost Ben Roethlisberger. I didn't play Sam Darnold on Thursday night because why the fuck would I play Sam Darnold? ever right. when I don't have to, right? On a Thursday night game, especially. Why would I play yeah, Sam we- Darnold? I then had another quarterback on a bye. I had Drew Locke was out. 
So I'm looking at basically only two playable quarterbacks. And then one of them was Cam Newton, and he tested positive on Saturday. Uh, Dude, yeah, right with you. So I had five going into the week. Two were out because of buys or injury. I didn't play Sam Darnold, and then I lost Cam Newton. So I had five, and I was down to one. So I'm basically setting an invalid lineup on Sunday. And so I go to the Ryan Fitzpatrick owner, and this is three weeks ago. I go to the Fitzpatrick owner, and I say, he's out of it. He's already like 0-6. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's it going to take for Fitzpatrick? Now he knows, he knows I need a starter, right? He knows I had five and I have only one now. Did you give him a third? <laughs> now he traded, I traded him Andy Dalton for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, there you go. Now that looks like shit for me now, but this was three <laughs> weeks ago. And yeah, I'm going, yeah. I just need Fitzpatrick for one week. So I'm willing to borrow on credit that I can get one game out of Fitzpatrick. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. three weeks later it reversed. But if I'm on the other side of that deal, Larry, I'm not giving the guy a quarterback. He needs to pay a tax to get a quarterback for me. Even if it's Kyle Allen. You think I should have got more? I I would have rather eaten Kyle Allen and then rage dropped him the next week and not let that guy use him than trade it to him for nothing, I guess would be my point. And maybe I wish because he accepted two trades. He did. He he said he accepted one by accident. The other one. I wish he accepted because that was the six rounder and those are Debbie picks. That right? was, yes, you would have got yeah. a Debbie pick. So I, I, yeah. I saw, cause I had to reverse it as the commissioner. Yeah. As soon as I knew the why guy, he didn't take that. Fingered it. Yeah. Yeah. He's going, why did I just give up a, a top five, six Debbie pick for Kyle Allen? Like that's really stupid, but no, I guess the, the theme being we're getting to a crazy season where people are desperate, desperate yeah. for points, desperate for a starter, whatever, especially if it's a scarce position, like a quarterback, I, Maybe if I'm feeling nice and I want to build some rapport with somebody, I'll make a fair deal with them. Ooh, but I mean, I this like was that. what this was on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. That dude was scrambling. You know what? Those dude. trades, those trades were sitting out there like a week. Oh, okay. Okay. So this was not a, he no, needed no, no, it no, last no, no, minute. No, okay. no, no. no. He, really he didn't. Good. I initiated. Yeah. I, I, I was the initiator. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, because I saw that he was in kind of in a conundrum and, and listen, my, my logic was this we all know who Kyle Allen is. Yes. And there's a chance that Alex Smith could have came in that Sunday and took over for him. You know, if he, I mean, they could, they could sign a dude off the street next week and start him. Well, yeah. So I I, 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 just to let you guys know, I had a phone call today. I missed it, but it was a voicemail. I'm going to call him back tomorrow. There's a chance because I'm still a pretty good runner. So I'm just going (laughs) to, Cephas and Isabella are just some low-level hyped guys that could potentially flash. Well, and, okay, here's the deal. So we know who Kyle and Allen is. We don't necessarily know who Andy Isabella and Chris yeah, is. Say, they okay. have not had. They haven't had a legit shot. So Very if great. they if they have a couple of hot games, I can flip them for anything. If I, if I can get any type of anything for those two, I feel like each of those is worth Kyle Allen. Larry, I'll be honest with you. Cephas is a non is a non factor. He's Isabella, on the other hand, when second round draft pick, speed, etc. Fitzgerald's out next year. He's probably the third target in that offense behind Kirk. And of course, that's correct. Look, Isabella is one of those guys that can flash, you know, but so I understand that. I, I would just give up on even talking about Quintus Cephas. Like just just bury him, man. He's dead. Understood. He's completely dead. But yeah. Isabella is a third round value. Kyle Allen's at late second, early third. So I don't see the, you know, a crazy difference there. I just think that maybe you could have capitalized on. on yeah, I guess I could have. But I mean, like I, like I said, I mean, Kyle Allen 
there was a chance he didn't even finish the game. Alex Smith is sitting there. He's a big feel-good story. Who the fuck knows? Well, as soon as you saw Alex Smith go on the field the other day, two weeks ago. I thought that was the end of Kyle Allen. And drag his leg behind him. Like, you should have known that he wasn't going to be the threat. Like, they're not putting Alex Smith in unless, literally, unless there is just no other option. Right. You know, Haskins is not in town. Kyle Allen is hurt. Smith is still dragging a leg behind him like it's a damn... Maybe I got cocky because I am famous for my Kyle Allen trades. I, I got a I've Stompy's <laughs> 21 first in the DDCL. He's traded me a 21 first. <laughs> and his team is so he had okay. Stompy is a very aggressive trading trade. Yeah, very aggressive. Anyone is living in your league with Stompy and you have a running back that is about to start, doesn't he have to be a starter? Is Dude. about to start, you know, a Boston Scott. He had a great team and he made it, he made the playoffs, he was making a run. But he drafted Matt Stafford and like some other quarterback that went down for the season. So he had nobody for a quarterback. So I offered him Kyle Allen for a 21 first. Like it was a trash trade. It was a total trash trade. And he de- he declined it. And then he sends me a message. He DMs me and he's like, hey, man, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take that 21. I'll give you that 21 first for Allen. I was just like, I was going to 21 first for Kyle Allen. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got benched the next week for Will Greer. Magical. <laughs> I told him Brian Hill for a second. Like uh, I can't remember. I've made yeah. several trades of Stompy. He'll make aggressive trades, <laughs> and they work out sometimes, and they don't other times. But he is. Oh, yes. Look, some people are just very aggressive with trades. You know, they will they will move picks for players that they think will help them now. So I don't I don't blame them sometimes if they really can if they really feel like they're contenders. But I will gladly capitalize. So you have to you kind of have to know who those players are in your leagues. Yeah. You know, who's the guy that's going to make the move and really reach out there and just take a stab at somebody? Even if it feels like it's a trash trade offer, it might not be when you consider who the who the subject is that you're, that you're speaking with. There you go. I mean, we covered a couple of trades. I mean, Justin, you have one for Dak. I mean, Dak trade yeah. is kind of interesting so, to hear about. So Yeah, yeah. So I'm, it's a rebuild. Auction league, 12-team uh, super flex. Are you in any auctions, Scott? Auction leagues? course he is yeah i've done i've done quite a few i mean startups i have a couple that are actually auction rookie drafts those are fun where the picks convert to auction money and you do the draft that way so yeah those are fun that's what this one is it's auction rookie money so switch picks convert to cash and you got a bunch of cash on hand so i had seven now i have eight first um because i'm just gonna give away what i did here but it's a 12 team super flex 0.15 point per carry i'm gonna rebuild uh, decided to gut the team and just because I like doing it. And so Dak, a 21 first and second, or Wentz, Carr, and James Robinson. So again, Dak, the first and the second, or Wentz and Carr and Robinson, James Robinson. So, And it's not Debbie, right? This is just a straight. Straight up regular dynasty. Yep. Non, non-depleted. Going to be all the rookies up in there. So when you mentioned auction, that kind of changes it a little bit to me because uh, my experience with those is you kind of have to be either all in or all out. You don't Mm want to be stuck in the middle with like the worst thing you can do in those leagues is just roll with your picks, you know, finish fourth and then have all your own picks. You have no leverage in the draft just because you have the 110 or whatever doesn't mean you're guaranteed to even get a top 15 player. Because people start trading auction cash and moving it around, and you can get out leveraged on good players really easily. So, I see it from your angle. You're probably sitting there going, "Okay, a first and a second for Carr and Robinson is maybe a little light based on the market." 
but you're still swapping Wentz for Dak Prescott. So, you know, you're, I think the nudge of converting it to auction cash and you being able to almost monopolize that with eight firsts, that had to be enough to push it over the top. So I, I would lean the Dak in the first and second side with what you're trying to do. You got Dak in the 21. I'm on the Wentz side here only because of it's two quarterbacks and it's really a bell cow running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars that I feel like you'll, you'd be able to cash in on each week. The more carries this guy gets. Yeah. So as long as he stays healthy, I'll tell you what I've tried to do with that league. And I tried to send a first, just one first, not a first and a second or anything. I tried to send a first to every owner and I got rejected by every owner that had a first because of course I have most of them. I didn't want a 22nd first because that doesn't, that does me no good in this coming draft because it's an auction. And that was important to note is that a 22nd first is pushed out so far that I won't have any leverage in that draft. Like Scott was talking about, I need all the 21 first leverage I can have or the 21 draft leverage I can have. So that was a deal for me. So James Robinson in, on this team, I don't think he's the, the long-term starter. Maybe he starts in 2021 if they just neglect the position in the draft and free agency and just try to build the team. What I thought here, and I have – so now I have Dak and Stafford, and I figure I'll get Lawrence or if I really want to push somebody and just let them take and spend all their money and then take Fields and Lance for the same price probably – I have two solid quarterbacks and probably a third as well. And then I have all the leverage to, to capitalize on the league and basically get everybody else, ETN and Hubbard and Jamar Chase and Rondale Moore, all these guys that are going to be just studs, you know, in my opinion. So, and also the ability to move some, some money around and grab some veteran players for to be a contender. I was more than willing to move for Dak because I have no interest in competing this year anyway. You know, and I have four of the top five picks in this in this auction draft. So it's going to be a lot of money. The people that are trading me picks, like this guy right here, he was five and four, and I think seventh in the league in scoring. So he wasn't in I mean he's not a great team. And I don't know that this significantly helps his team from what it was. Now it helps his team from what it is with Dak being injured. But from what it was, I don't see the improvement. So I don't know that he climbs the standings and and improves his draft stock anymore. So I'm counting on his, you know, 106, 107 draft stock, you know, draft pick, whatever, converting those dollars. I do yep. think it's important to note, though, I, I did this in the Kitchen Sink 2 League this year where I, I basically ended up with about 55% of the auction money yep. going into the rookie draft. And I thought I was set. You know, I had six first. I think I had like nine second rounders. So, I mean, I had yep. I had more than half the auction money. But here's what happened. What, what happens is 55% wasn't enough because mm-hmm. – you know, nine other owners, a couple owners had gotten completely out of the draft. They were smart. You know, they sold me their thirds and their fourth. You know, they sold me their late picks because they're like, what's what's $20 going to help me? Nothing. I'll get whatever I can during the season. But what I found is that you get to the off season and I have 55% and then say seven other owners cumulatively have the 45%. What slowly happens is not that they collude, but they start to kind of work together and realize, you know, us seven we're not doing ourselves any favors by splitting that 45% by seven people. So inevitably like one or two people start to collect what's left over. And once somebody gets to 
I mean, you said how much would you say percentage wise you have, Justin? About 75% right now. Okay. So, the, really, the only danger to you is that one other guy gets like 25. Then he can kind of push you around and like <laughs> bump and can bump you up on like two or three players and make you overpay. But if you can keep like five or six other people with like four to six percent, you can just bully them around the whole draft. You can basically get the top 15 players if you wanted. As long yeah. as you do it in the right order, it takes some strategy, but it does. And it's and, really and, important to have that leverage because even like 60% is not enough to control the board like you think it might be. No, and see, there's a thing about redlining. And when you have this kind of money, redlining is the is the deal. Uh, uh you feel like No, you want to tie uh, other people's money up and let you just grab the players. <laughs> this is the, and we'll get into real quick, real quick. But all right, so you have 12 players on the auction board right now, all right? If you have 10 of them and two other guys have two, all right? If you let them tie up all their money and you get your guys for cheap, as soon as your guys clear, you bid up those other guys. So now they have to bid again. So now they have to tie their money up again or let you get those last couple guys that are, you know, top 10, 12 guys. So you don't have to have 100% of the money. You don't even have to have 80% of the money to get 80% of the guys. Because all you have to do is tie up their money long enough that you get your guys cheap. So say you say you have ten guys out there and they bid six hundred dollars on Trevor Lawrence, and you're bidding two hundred dollars on Trey Lance and and whatever, and you've got the extra money. Once your guys clear, you bid six hundred one on Trevor Lawrence and reset his clock. Yep. At the same time, they're going well. Shit, I'm either going for this guy or I'm going to get a second rounder and be stuck with this money till next year or whatever. So they go and bid again. So now you can run it up again and get all these players back. It's it's a it's not as simple as what I'm making it sound like, but it does work when you have lots of money. That's it's- exactly what I did in the kitchen sink league. I I basically passed on Joe Burrow, but it was a game of cat and mouse to get him to see how high he would go. And I actually got him up to like 80% of his stack and sure. then that locked him in. And then wow. I just swept everybody like, out. Deuces. Yeah. So you're getting, <laughs> like, I think I got Tua for like $90 in a league last year where a guy spent 145 At the very end, I spent like 130 on Herbert because at that point I had saved so much money yep. by using. So I used Herbert and I'd used uh, um, Burrow as, as pieces. I didn't care that I lost the number one pick. Because I got eight of the other twelve top, first, you know, first round picks, so I wasn't concerned with that at all. Like, let it happen. Let these guys spend their money. I'll let them run these guys up. I'm getting, I'm getting guys for seventy, sixty, fifty dollars. I think I got uh, Judy and Lamb for ni- or Judy and uh, Jefferson for ninety dollars combined. Yeah. While someone spent ninety two dollars on CD Lamb. Like, yeah, if you I can get that all day. I'll do it all day. I'm yeah, if you can get one guy in this league to hoard the rest of the money and then almost sucker them into going for Lawrence and spending mm-hmm. 90% of their budget, you will literally get the next 20 players. Right. And now, <laughs> like, I don't need Lawrence if I have Dak and Stafford and I get Fields and Lance. Like, and I, you get every and, shot. You get the entire wide receiver class. Right. And you could trade and one I'm of those so for Derek excited. Carr at any point. I'll be honest with you. I'm so excited about this wide receiver. I know. Team. It's so fun. It, oh, you have to. What's the auction clock by, by chance in that league? I think it's 24. Dude, you you every morning when it like resets, you got to be on there and like refresh and make sure you bid. It's it can, you could drag it out for like 2 weeks and just drive everyone else crazy. 
Oh, see, I I love setting timers and be like, I'm gonna fuck you guys so hard on this one. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where's so, Trey Lance? Where's Trey Lance for you in a in a superflex right now? Like start superflex rookie draft. Where Herbert was 21. Where Herbert was last year. So Probably he's he's the, 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 the bottom half of the first round. Oh no, he's going he's going top fifteen. Yeah. In a real draft in the NFL draft, he's going top talking 15. about like a, like a like a traditional twelve team league. I think with all these quarterbacks hitting, I think you're going to see him get pushed up next year. I mean, I, exactly. right now, I think people would put Trevor Lawrence as quarterback five or six in Dynasty ahead of right. – I think you'd see him go ahead of Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, maybe – definitely over Dak Prescott. People would take Lawrence straight up over Dak right now without yeah, any other had, information. We had that. I, I think this came up earlier in one of my chats. In April, I don't know that that happens. I don't know that Trevor Lawrence goes over Dak. But right now, sure. Because yeah. there's that recency bias. But don't you think Dak starts? I mean, Trevor Lawrence starts out next year. You're not QB giving seven, up the 101 eight. in a super flex um, for Dak. I'm not right now. No. No. But but I think in April when we know Dak's situation, and I think he stays yeah. in Dallas. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people that hate the Cowboys. I mean, yeah, I, don't I don't care. Know. See, I don't have any. I don't have any player bias or team bias. Right. Like I'm a Falcons fan, but I'll own. I'll own uh, – I mean, I picked Drew Brees with my second pick in SFBX. So yeah. I, I I don't care because I, I'm not I'm not emotional with my picks as I mean, much. Cowboy, as I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. I'll tell you, if, hate- Tua, if Tua comes in and hits in the next two months and then you have three quarterbacks go in the top ten next year, it's yeah. going to be the exact same thing. They're going to all get pushed up in the top 15 or higher day one. doesn't exactly. even matter where they land. If they get the capital, that's how people are going to react. Did exactly Trey Lance play like one game this year, this, year, this season? Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, but but see here's your game. the deal. You had Josh Allen hit who everyone was down on. You had Daniel Jones who hit who was everyone was down on. These are guys that that went in late first, early seconds of superflex leagues, and people are learning. You can't make that mistake because all it takes is one. They do it every year. All all it takes is one three or four game stretch, and you can sell for you know dollars on the pennies. You you spent nothing and you got a shit ton in return. Yep. That's my point when everybody talks about, you know, whenever we're saying Justin Herbert should drop to the second half of the first round. No, nah, man. No, nah. because right now, Herbert's value is out the roof. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. Top and 10 I'm so glad I have him in a couple leagues. Like, I can't imagine the people that passed on him going, oh, I'd rather have CD Lamb, which is solid, or I'd rather have uh, Cam Akers. Can't- Cam Akers, yeah. That was that's a, or that's J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I said C.D. Lamb, but really Cam Akers is the prime example, or or J.K. Dobbins, right? Like these guys that aren't producing at all, or Herbert, who is just lighting the damn world on fire. You know, there's still a lot of value in quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I brought it up in the in the first when we first got together. What did I say? I was like, well, you know, I traded Lamb to Shane for Dobbins in a twenty twenty two second, and I was yep. like, well, you know, will I regret that? I don't know, man, because well, Ingram's dealing with an ankle, so we might get a glimpse of we some might. JK, you know. And again, he's in the, you know, I, I feel I feel like the Ravens haven't really clicked yet, and I feel like they're gonna soon, and it's really gonna the the league is gonna pay. I, and I think with this rookie classic quarterback, you are with a guy like Herbert or Burrow because they can run, because they have some mobility that they can score points on the ground. Part of what's baked into their value is. You know, if you invest, I mean, you're going to see Burrow and and Herbert probably going top eight, top nine in startups next year, maybe higher. Yeah. But part of that, what you're buying 
is you're buying the 10% chance that they become the next Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott. Say, not you're the buying next, the chance not that they do. If they don't, what's what's their floor? Their absolute floor is Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Jared you know, Goff, that type. Yeah. That's their floor. So you're buying, yeah. you're buying a 20% chance that, hey, if this dude takes the next step, if Tua takes the next step after this year, let's say he plays, you know what, 10 games this year, he looks good. But then if he takes that next step and becomes Watson or Prescott, that's part of what you're paying for. You're paying for that lottery ticket built milked into his value. So I think we just have to realize that's how people are valuing these guys. And one of them could be Daniel Jones next year, where one year from now we're looking at this guy going, damn, I don't even know if he belongs in the league. But This is the best stat of all. Daniel Jones has four career wins, and three of them are against the Washington football team. Football team, yeah. So we're talking about buys and stuff. We're entering stretch run territory. We got through the first quarter of the season. We're we're a few games past that now. If the if everything goes according to plan, there are going to be some guys that come out of nowhere and just kind of take over the scene. Who are some guys you're targeting that are kind of under the radar that not too many people might be uh, aware of? The rookies are so expensive to buy right now, like Dobbins and. Of course, Swift broke out last week, so that's over. You know, good luck with that. Uh, Acres might be a guy that you could buy, and then if Henderson gets hurt, it's just I wouldn't buy a wide. Re- I'm not looking for any wide receiver that's not producing right now, because if you're not producing right now, opportunity is not the key with wide receivers. It's really like talent, honestly, overrides most things with wide receivers. But but the key is with. I always look for running backs at this point because a running back can step into a 15 carry, you know, a 15 touch spot real quick. Whereas a wide receiver is hardly ever going to step into a seven, eight target, you know, consistent situation on, on a given week. When I talk about like the stretch run, I'm not talking about like the rebuild. I want a piece that that's going to, I'm going to, you know, let marinate for five years. I'm talking about guys that your team is ready to rock. You need to maybe like one piece, one, one or two pieces, COVID pieces, you know, if you want to call it that. Or like I said, we talked about uh, Jerry Sinclair, uh, his Warzone team. He's got this, this amazing starting lineup, but he could have a week where two guys go down and he's, he's, you know, he's throwing in Quintus Cephas. So, yeah. so who are you targeting? If it's me, I want guys like Chase Edmonds. Who I think, and I think you know, and I think he put this oh, on. Chase Edmonds is a great buy right now since Drake but, just went off. Yeah, he did, and that's the key. Drake just went off. Just had this huge run at the end of the game that's sticking in people's mind. He had a couple touchdowns, I think, uh, a big game. I don't know that that continues, but all it takes is one injury or one whatever, you know, one COVID in in this situation in in twenty twenty. And Edmonds is already a part of the game plan. So and we've already like, and we've seen Edmonds really produce in the in the role. I mean, he only had one game last year before he got hurt, uh, where he I mean he got like twenty something carries. I mean, he's like 21, 22 carries, something crazy. And I mean, he was a monster. He had a couple touchdowns. That's a that's a team with an offense that is gonna roll. I mean, I I love Kyler Murray. I think he's done a great job with that offense and I, I'm just confident that that offense is going to keep producing. So he's a guy that I would think that Damian Harris is another guy that I think could be bought low after okay, a really bad that's running back, a New England Patriots running back. Sure. Because who else is there? 
It's right. James White, Rex Burkhead, and Damien Harris. You're right. You know what? And and they are still trying to get it together. You know, and they're a good team without not having it together. You have Cam that's got you know it's in and out of the lineup, and some weeks they've looked good so far, and other weeks they've looked a little disjointed. But that's a team that has kind of has has not been glued together yet. Well, I like how you mentioned running backs because you you know we're starting to get into the territory where we have bye weeks, we have injuries, we've had a lot of attrition, and so one strategy that I've kind of taken is on these teams teams where say I'm a fringe contender, right? I have a fringe playoff team. I may be in the fifth or sixth slot right now, but I'm not super confident that I'm going to be able to make noise in the playoffs. So kind of what I'm doing is every, I mean, you guys would agree every single week is its own animal, right? Every single week is different, you know, matchups, who's healthy, who's not, who's on a bye week you know, who's impacted by COVID every single week is different. So what I'm doing is I get to Friday or Saturday, I will go in and set my lineups and just see where do I have a little excess? You know, where do I have, you know, this week, Miles Sanders is going to be out. So if I have Boston Scott, I'm going to play him on Thursday night, but maybe I have Gio Bernard on my bench. Joe Mixon might not play. So what I'll do is I'll actually trade my excess. Okay. Let's say last week I could have traded Alexander Madison for a second rounder plus another fill in running back whoever it might be, whoever that guy didn't feel confident enough playing, you know, that that's the price. You give me a second to the cook owner or just to anybody, anybody that would have done it. Probably the the cook owner, you know, you probably can get a second plus something else. And so the idea being, if I'm in the middle, kind of just collecting these backup running backs, like Justin said, I don't ever want to go out and pay, you know, I don't ever want to go out, pay, you know, a late first, early second for, a fill in running back. I actually did right. that in a league last week with Madison. <laughs> I, I thought I, I'm a second place team. I had a couple bye weeks, a couple injuries. I gave up a second for Madison. Where did that get me? Now I'm looking at it going, okay, I have Madison. That's nice. But am I ever going to have a sell window on him again? If I ever have a sell window, it's probably when I'm going to want to use him again, right? Yeah. Like if Cook's out, I'm going to want to put him in my lineup. So I think what you can do is if you're a team that especially you don't know if you can win but you're not packing it in yet. Let's say, let's say a chase Edmonds pops up for a week where Drake's out. Sell J sell chase Edmonds. If I don't need him in my lineup that week, give me another running back back. Plus the pick pick that I would have to get for Edmonds anyway. So say it's a, it's an early second rounder, sell him to the Drake owner for a second rounder, but he has to give me a running back back. You know, give me Jamichael hasty back or give me Jeffrey Wilson back or just to throw in because you never know when one of those is going to hit a couple weeks down the road. So you just kind of keep kicking the can down the road and maintaining a competitive starting lineup. So it's more of a process thing, but I was going to throw out drew lock as a guy I would buy. I know Justin's probably shitting there shaking his head. Nice. Yeah. I got a a really nasty, ugly face for that one. So QB by Doug, I dig it. Why not? I I think drew lock is going to have, I don't want to say it's going to be a make or break second half of the season. Cause I actually think this might be narrative driven completely. I think with what's happened this season, Drew Locke's probably actually bought himself another year because of the injuries, because of COVID. They can't evaluate him, and it's COVID, well, yes. Yeah, if he comes out and, you know, they had they lost Cortland Sutton in the second game. So I think he may be given a little bit of a pass. So I think he may play a little bit, maybe with a little bit less pressure the rest of the season, and I can see him producing. They actually have a pretty favorable schedule. So I like buying him. One thing we didn't talk about on this show, but just a common thing, like, these teams in the NFL are cycling through quarterbacks a lot faster than they did before. 
You know, Dude. we see some of these stable guys like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, and you kind of wonder, like, what's their future? If I can get a guy like Locke for quarterback 20 or lower prices, then I'll do that all day because I think hold he's on, still a good on. player. Hashtag Dwayne Haskins. I'm just saying. Yep. Like, that's why I'm, I'm terrified of Drew Locke and Daniel Jones because I think they could be the next Dwayne Haskins. I think they could be the next guys that are like, eh, they're not that good, and we're in a position where we can grab somebody that can replace them. Might as well just move on. What if they're the next Ryan Tannehill? Ooh. That's a whole other show. You what. I was yeah. wrong. I was no, not going to bring it up because we're like, we're totally running over. But I, I'm, you know what? I'm like, this oh, show is, this show is, t- this is going to go. This is going to be a post. This is going to be a long post. This, yeah. this show is just going to be a long one. Yep. It could be a long one. And Scott's, because Scott Green brings up such great points uh, that it, it just, it makes it interesting conversation. But, I was wrong, wrong, wrong about Ryan Tannehill. You know who was right? Gosh. Manolo was right. No, sir. Sure enough, he crushed that one. Give give Manolo his due. He deserves it. So Manolo is our – Manolo is in our – is in the 16-teamer, Scott, that we talk about. And he has been – when we've always joked, this guy thinks Tannehill's like Pat Mahomes because he's always wanted the farm for Ryan Tannehill. From the start, like he got him last year, and he's always been like, and we're just like fucking Manolo wants the wants every he thinks fucking Tannehill is like Pat Mahomes. Guess what? Tannehill's like Pat Mahomes. Yeah. What was <laughs> that? Just what was like that tweet him. You shared earlier. What was that tweet you shared earlier, Larry? The last fourteen starts of Pat Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill. They both share an eleven and three record. Pat Mahomes has 3,674 yards, where Tannehill has 3,602 yards. So Pat Mahomes Mahomes has him beat by 72 yards. The TD interception, Tannehill has 31 touchdowns, six picks. Mahomes, 28 touchdowns, six picks. QB rating, 116.7 for Tannehill, 102.3 for Mahomes. For since the start of the 2019 season, Ryan Tannehill ranks first in passer rating, 116. First in yards per attempt, homie. Yards per attempt, 8.9. <laughs> Second in PFF grade, 93.3. Second in fantasy points per drop back. He, was- he's like Pat Mahomes plus. Yeah. I really didn't <laughs> think it was sustainable because he had such a high efficiency last year. And they're year. a running team. Yeah. They're a run first it was, team. It was a low volume, super high efficiency. I mean, he was completing yep. like 70% of his In 12 it. games, he only threw 286 passes. And you're yeah. going, there is no way he can produce top five numbers again with that volume. And, and this motherfucker still is doing it. Yeah. He's what the hell? I mean, he would he like run for two touchdowns last night. I mean, I mean, God, the Gase effect. I mean, you just don't want to believe it. You don't think that it that it has any type of merit when people are just like, oh, yeah, man, that coach is so terrible. He makes everyone terrible around him. And all these guys have success, and, and you just and you just don't want to believe it. But it's like, God, how does Ryan Tannehill? I mean, I know he dealt with injuries a lot, Miami, and he flashed a little bit here and there, and he was always just like this, whatever. He's just this meddling, you know, mediocre quarterback. And then he goes to Tennessee, and, next, and he, he's, he's lit it up. How bad is Marcus Mariota? Everyone had this like, oh, Marcus Mariota might take over Derek Carr's job. Maybe Ryan Tannehill is just that good, and Marcus Mariota is just that bad. Well, here's the thing on Tannehill. I I have been guilty of, I don't think, I actually think there is still a window on Tannehill because how high do you move him up? With with all these numbers, where's he at? I mean, he's 32, but 
Ryan Tannehill easily over Matthew Stafford right now. Yes, dude. Oh yeah, easily close. Oh, yeah, but same age. Why not? <laughs> Tannehill is ahead of Matt Ryan easily right now. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, oh right. yeah. Tannehill should be ahead of Aaron Rodgers right now. Yes. How do you feel about yes. Tannehill, Jared Goff? Tannehill. Tannehill. That's uh, my point. You go through these names. If you put him ahead of Stafford and Goff and Rodgers and Ryan, he's a he's top a 10 top quarterback. Guy. He's a okay, top five quarterback. Tannehill or Wentz? I think Tannehill. Yeah. I think it's a debate. If you right. wanted to switch, I think it's a fair deal. I just don't think that – 32 is not that old. In quarterback years, you're going to get five, six years more. No, in the, in the dynasty that? landscape, five years is a, is a generation. And how old is Carson Wentz's body either? It's not like Tannehill's been taking hits for eight straight years either. Oh. Wentz, okay. Wentz probably his body is more like 30, 31, I'd say. Well, okay, at this point. so we're all forgetting. Hold on now, Scott. We're all forgetting that Tannehill did take a beating in Miami and yeah, what injury. Sure. So it's not like if Tannehill had the same situation that Wentz is in right now. So I, I, I can't give the complete pass of, you know, his body is not taking that many hits. He got beat down. But right now, I think he's right. I think he's not a top five quarterback. No, he's not a top five. Top twelve. But I, I, but I top twelve is fair. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's I fun to say five. he's a top five. I mean, he's a top five quarterback this year. Yeah, I mean, in the nine, maybe next year, eleven range is where I, where I think I probably, if I had to, you know, because you've got, of course, Mahomes and Lamar and Kyler, the Deshaun, big six, Dak. Burrow probably, whom I, Josh Allen I think is probably still ahead of him. Yeah, and, I think it's the big six: time. Burrow, Herbert, Allen, and that's the cutoff. You can start arguing Wentz, Rogers. Yeah. He's right in that. Oh, range. Right in the six to eight. See, I think he's right he higher on Rogers than I am because Rogers is what 36, 37. Yep. Uh, so I think he might be. When you mention him in that category, I'd still take the age. For the two or three points a game that I might be giving up, I'll take yeah. the age on a younger quarterback. Now, Let me ask you this. Yeah. If he signs an extension tomorrow, let's say he signs a two-year deal tomorrow, Cam sure. Newton or Tannehill? I'm taking Tannehill. Based on that, the statistics that I just rolled out, how can you not? He's in a stable environment. Yeah. But a healthy Cam is up there too. That's the thing. That is true. A healthy Cam is – so if you're talking yeah, a two- or three-year window – What's more repeatable, especially especially as players get older, and this is where I'll where I'll differentiate my answer from, is what's more repeatable, passing yards or rushing yards? As Cam gets older, those rushing yards aren't going to be right. as sustainable. Right. So I'll take I'll take Tan Hill simply because I think that he can still his weapons are solid. You know, AJ Brown, John U. Smith, and then I think Corey Davis is still a little underrated. Even I think he's a good number two. He he was never meant to be a number one, and he got thrown into that role, and it just he failed. I've been guilty of not moving him up fast enough and not taking this seriously. But now I'm sitting here, and I have teams that have Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm going, man, <laughs> I'd love to do something to get Tannehill and swap one of those guys out. You so I'm willing to pivot. Any of those two guys, I feel like could get you Tannehill. I'll add to those guys to get yeah. Tannehill at this point, just because I'm I'm scared about all of their futures in terms of our, where are they going to be, what's their health going to be like. Like I'm I'm scared with all those guys. You'd have told me in the off season that I'm going to give up Matthew Stafford for Ryan Tannehill, same age, similar profile. Like why would I ever do that? I'll take the guy that's done it for nine straight years. Yeah, not the but journeyman. Within six six weeks, that's flipped entirely. 
Yeah, fairly certain I passed up on Tannehill for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not going to pick up because I'm embarrassed to look. <laughs> We've but, all done it for those quarterbacks, those guys. I, I'm almost positive I passed Her up. Her cousins, I did it. I thought Cousins could be what Tannehill is, super efficient, but not even close. Tannehill was like the QB twenty injury. He's like he was like this. Okay, so to be fair for Cousins, if you didn't have the interceptions, people wouldn't be looking so bad at him. But he has, and he's super efficient, very very low turnovers for his career. So he is a a poor, very poor man's style of Tannehill. But yeah, he just has not caught the same you know, vacuum of right. production that he has for sure. Not in the last couple of years. Yeah. No. If you go with a guy like golf, my take on golf is basically golf is just a guy that without the play action, he, he he's so limited in terms of his upside. If you can go swap golf for anything plus to get Tannehill right now, I'm doing that all day, all day. And see, I'm a golf lover. I think he's, he's got that potential to be a top seven, eight quarterback on any Ooh. year in a year. Not a golf lover. I am. I, I love some golf because Tannehill, Tannehill or golf. See, I really think that they're probably pretty similar. As Tannehill all day. I'll take golf because I'll take the what six, seven years <sighs> of age on that. Who's on, going to be on your team for that long? I mean, are we? Are we? Are, I mean, it's are you, have I, you ever, I, Larry. I will the league last that long? <laughs> but what I'm thinking about when I think somebody says, "Oh, well, who knows what's going to happen in two or three years?" That's fair. But at the same time, what's their value going to be in two years, three years, whatever? What's Tannehill's right. value going to be versus – because I don't care if I've got a guy that's 30 and a guy that's 25. I don't care when I'm talking about what what I'm going to get from them for the next two or three years. I want to know what I'm going to get for them in two years because I think their value is going to drop so much that it can, it can affect the way that you build your team. You know, if I can get – I don't think there's much, what two points a week in difference between golf and, and Tannehill right now. I, I haven't even looked, but I would guess that's probably about right. Two, three points. The difference between number eight quarterback and number 22 quarterback, I think on the footballers they were talking about, was like four points. Who gives a shit about four points when you're talking about if I can get the guy that's six, seven years younger? I'm good with that. I think golf has job security. I think he's better than better than people expect him to be. He had a down year last year. And at the same time, I think that if you can get a quarterback who is by the consensus, by the community valued lower, that you can capitalize on that value. He's not going to be starring in any isotoner glove commercials anytime soon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If this is where you play the crickets, Isotoner gloves, man. That's old school, baby. You would always in the old days there'd be like Dan Marino. He was like an isotoner glove guy. That was like an, that's an old school. Commercial. Oh, fuck all you young fucks. Damn, I'm not even that young. But but no, man, no. Dude, what is what the fuck is chasing the helmet podcast? Why is this the first time I'm learning of this? Because you don't listen to Scott Connor. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, so we do a. Uh, that's my other. That's my other fantasy hobby. Uh, playing in the FFPC high stakes uh, redraft. So that's our redraft podcast. So Ooh, I'm excited. Totally different. You, man. It's a totally different me. Uh, I different just follow, I just I just hit. I just clicked follow. I was. I'm looking at your uh, your profile. I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm 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 all in now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, quite a fun season trying to navigate that. A lot of money on the line, but it's uh, I, we live this shit. So, uh, but yeah, check it out. It's it's mostly just redraft. We do uh, did a ton of live drafts over the summer. 
you know, uh, as we all did drafts over the summer, we just did them live and just kind of got on there and walked through our process. So, So. okay. So, so quick little fact, beer is better in the can because it doesn't have any light coming through to, to uh, contaminate the beer. So generally beer is better in a can than a bottle. There's no light contaminant. That's why a lot of beers don't use clear bottles. And that's why Corona does because they don't give a shit about their beer. So, you know, know, Heineken has a green bottle and Budweiser has a super dark brown bottle and, you know, et cetera. Fun fact to end the show. Nice. Fun fact. Yes, that's right, baby. Let's end the show. What do you think? I say it's fine, Larry. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So, not only did we have just a great show, and we covered everything on the the show sheet, man. The show sheet. Yeah, baby. So Scott Connor is a writer at DLF Football. Not only that, but he's also the host of the Dynasty and Chill Pod. But that's at Dynasty Chill Pod. Dynasty and Chill at Dynasty yeah. Chill Pod. The co-host of at Chase the Helmet, which I did not know about. And now everyone should know, all 65 of you that listen. Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, let's go, Scott Connor, baby. Ready? Let's do this. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Hot Sauce Podcast.